you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time today? Grab your Bibles if you would. I want to go to the book of John this morning, chapter number 9. I am aware uh, of what time it is. And I want to be mindful of the time and respectful of the time. But I also want to fulfill my responsibility in declaring the word of the Lord in this house today. How many of you are with me this morning? Are you ready for the word of the Lord in this house today? Amen. If you preach with me, I usually can preach a lot shorter. But if you're really quiet and just stare at me, I tend to preach way longer. <laughs> How many of you are going to preach with the preacher this morning? Amen. John chapter 9, verse number 1 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me today. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. But the Jews, verse number 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him, he shall speak for himself. 
These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, that he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. They were telling him, don't give the credit to Jesus. Give God the praise. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. And for just a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach unexplainable but undeniable. Unexplainable but undeniable. Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise in this house? Woo! My God. You can be seated for just a few moments. If we are not careful when you begin to read John chapter 9, you will mistakenly read this chapter and just simply categorize it as another story concerning the miracles of Jesus and this just being another one of the accounts of Jesus healing. But can I convey to you this morning that if you look closer at John chapter number 9, you will find that there is tremendous revelation concerning this text. This is not just the story of Jesus dealing with the blindness of a man, but this is the Lord trying to use this occasion to bring revelation and understanding to the people that are standing around concerning who he really is. You must first understand this morning that when we talk about blindness in the physical, ultimately we are talking about light. Because sight is simply the body's process of processing light. The way that we see is by the reflection of light off of objects. When you are looking at me standing on this platform this morning, you are not necessarily looking at me, but you are processing light that is reflecting off of me and it is going into your eyes and your body is, is interpreting that light and sending electronic impulses to your brain that tells you you are looking at Bishop Williams on the platform. The way that sight works is that light is reflected from an object and it travels to the eyes. And when it gets to the eyes, 
it passes through the outer layer of the eye called the cornea. The cornea is shaped in such a specific way that as the light passes through the cornea, the cornea refracts the light and changes its position so that the light becomes focused as it passes through the opening of the eye called the pupil. And you have muscles surrounding the pupil called the iris, which acts as a shutter to determine how much of that light passes through the eye and eventually lands on, it goes through the pupil and then passes the lens. And then it is directed to the back of the eye on the retina. And once that light reaches the retina, it is changed from light into an electronic impulse that your optic nerve then takes that information to your brain and describes to your brain the reflection of the light that you are seeing. When you talk about sight, it is the ability to process light. When you deal with people who have impairments in their vision, it is because some element of their eye or even in some cases the brain that interprets the information has some sort of malady or problem. Some of the most common issues occur on the very outside of the eye where the cornea is. Oftentimes people will develop what they call a stigmatism. A stigma, you're getting your lesson in ophthalmology this morning. A stigmatism is when the roundness of the eye, the shape of the eye that is designed specifically to refract the light because of the convex shape, it refracts the light perfectly. When your eye changes shape or you are born with an eye that is just slightly misshapen, then it changes the trajectory of the light through the cornea. And so instead of the light being focused properly where it hits the retina the way it is supposed to and passes through the lens the way it is supposed to, it goes through in an inaccurate form which causes you to not be able to see clearly. Or you can have issues where uh, your muscles in the eye, the iris or other parts of the eye are not functioning properly and it causes a distortion of the light as it passes through the eye. You can have degenerative uh, diseases that come against the eye uh, that affect your ability to, to process light. One of the most common things that people do to correct their vision is to wear glasses. Corrective lenses. I see glasses all over the place shining at me this morning. Who's got glasses on the front row? Easy to get to. Come on, by. Come help me real quick. Run as quick as you can. Just stand here and look that way. When you wear glasses... The purpose is so that when the light comes, 
before it travels through the eye, it hits a corrective lens. And depending on the prescription, I'm going somewhere this morning. Depending on the prescription of your glasses, it bends the light a certain amount to compensate for the irregularity in the eye. So that when the light passes through the lens, it then hits the eye in an altered angle so that it compensates for the difference and by the time the light reaches the retina, the back of your eye, it is now focused properly. They have even come up, thank you, they have even come up with more advanced methods like contact lenses where you place a corrective lens directly onto the cornea of your eye. Lord, I don't think I could ever do that. stuff Woo. and that contact lens does the same thing it has a prescribed convection shape to it that is designed to compensate for the error in your eyes ability to process the light and then they've gone even further now with things like LASIK surgery where they have discovered that if they will go in with a laser and they will literally cut or injure the cornea, that the eye all by itself will begin to grow back the flesh to heal the injury. And they have discovered that the eye almost always, when it grows the flesh back, will correct its own convection. So that when it heals, it's almost as if you can see perfectly again. All of these things happen as, a, as a, a description of what it means to see. And so the idea of being blind is the inability to process the light. To be blind means that one or more of the components involved in your ability to process light is not working. And so the light is coming to you, but the light cannot be interpreted the way that it needs to be interpreted so that you can see what is going on. You must understand that when you read the book of John, chapter number 9, he is not dealing with the physical malady of blindness, but he is rather taking the opportunity of this man's blindness to begin to describe and deal with the human condition of blindness. That is why Jesus in the text begins to make statements where he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You understand that all men are born blind. David said, I was born in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. In most transliterations, that word iniquity is the word darkness. I was born dark. 
I was born unable to see. And so it is that Jesus is dealing with the condition of the blindness of the hearts and the minds of humanity. And any time that God deals with blindness, it always starts with light. Genesis chapter number one, this is the first step of spiritual formation. The Bible said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move on the waters, and God said, let there be light. The beginning of God dealing with darkness is always the entrance of light and illumination. The first step of God dealing with chaos in the lives of humanity is that light has to enter the darkness. Light has to show up in the darkness. Let there be light. It is the beginning of spiritual formation. And then you begin to study the New Testament. John chapter number 1, which is the Genesis of the New Testament. Genesis 1 said in the beginning, God. But John chapter 1 and verse 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Genesis 1, he is dealing with the chaos of the planet Earth. But in John 1, he is dealing Dealing with the chaos of men's heart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life, and the life and the life was the light the light of men and the light shineth in the darkness in Genesis 1 he said let there be light but in John chapter 1 he was the light in Genesis 1 he said let there be light but in John 1 the word became light it became light you keep reading it says and the darkness comprehended it not blindness the darkness could not comprehend the light. Jesus shows up. And that is why they could not understand when he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The darkness couldn't comprehend the light. 
That's why they picked up stones to throw at him when he said, before Abraham was, I am. They could not understand. They could not comprehend. There was a blindness to humanity. Verse number six says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. There was a blindness upon the world that could not comprehend the light but as many as have received him. You know what that means? To as many whose eyes are opened. To as many who get the revelation. To as many who has received their sight to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and we beheld we saw his glory we saw his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. But in John, he comes and he is the light. I'm hurrying this morning. John chapter 8, verse number 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I love this because Paul had an incredible revelation concerning this truth. As he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 3 through 4, he said, But if our gospel be hid. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the biblical definition of the God. Oh, let me tell you what it is not. The gospel is not accepting the Lord into your heart. That's not even a biblical term. The gospel is not accepting the Lord as your personal Savior. That is not even a biblical, a biblical term. The gospel is the death, the 
burial and the resurrection of Christ. What is the good news? The good news is that he was on a cross and they put him in a grave. But three days later, he got up with all power in his hands. He got up with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And if our gospel be hid, if there is anybody who is blind to it, it is hid to them that are lost. You know what that tells me? That when you see it, it brings salvation to your life. It is hid to them that are lost. Verse number four, he said, in whom the God of this world hath blinded. In the physical, it's a blindness of the eyes. But in the spiritual, it's a blindness of the mind. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. What is he blinding them from seeing? The gospel. The enemy is working because mankind is born blind. He is born in darkness. It is the goal of the enemy that your eyes are never opened to the truth of the gospel message of the death. The am I in the right church this morning? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Listen, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Whoa, I love that right there. The light of the gospel. Brother Donnelly, that's the very first thing when I find somebody in darkness, when I find somebody whose life is in chaos, when I find somebody that's blind, I'm not going to start telling you about God's blessing. I'm not going to try to tell you how to do this and how to do that. The very first thing that you need is you need the light of the glorious gospel to open your eyes. The very first thing you need is the light of the glorious. If you read, we're in 1 Corinthians. I want to substantiate even further. When Paul says the light of the glorious gospel Let's make sure of what he's talking about. All you have to do is go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1. 
He said, moreover, brethren, this is the same writer. This is Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians. And he has penned 2 Corinthians. And he said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you and which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. My God, I feel like I'm in a Baptist church this morning. Uh, by which uh, ye are also uh, saved. Uh, you're not saved uh, by the sinner's prayer. Uh, you're not saved uh, by some prayer of acceptance. Uh, you are saved uh, by the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be saved than the gospel message. Mark chapter number 16. Jesus commands his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Is this all right this morning? That's why... When we go out on Saturdays for outreach, we don't just knock on people's door and invite them to church. Hello, somebody. I believe we ought to invite them to church eventually. But God commanded us to go preach the gospel. Brother Donnelly, there's something magical. There's something powerful when you begin to open your mouth and preach the gospel to somebody. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. That invitation in your hands has a whole lot more power when you begin to declare the truth and the light. What's going on? You're shining a light in the darkness. What's going on? You're shining a light in the middle of the chaos by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory the God of this world is trying to blind your mind but Paul said keep the gospel in your mind Keep it in your memory, that which I preached unto you, unless ye believe in vain. Your belief is in vain without the gospel message. I said your belief is in vain without the gospel message. For I delivered unto you, what is the gospel message he's talking about? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's why when you read Mark 16 and Jesus commanded them to go into the world and preach the gospel, where was that commandment fulfilled? I'm glad you asked. 
Acts chapter number 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Lord had given them a commandment. You can read it in Matthew and Mark and in Acts chapter 1 where he said, Go tarry in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I want you to go preach the gospel, but before you do, I'm going to empower you. So go to Jerusalem and pray. And when I give you the power, then you're going to preach the promise. And so in Acts 2, they're praying in an upper room and the Bible said that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, am I in the right church? As the Spirit gave them utterance. Yay! Okay, we got the power. Now we got to preach the gospel. And here comes all the people. They didn't even have to go find them. God brought them to them. Because when you get the real thing, your indraw will become greater than your outreach. <sighs> God will start bringing them in greater uh, than you can even grab them to bring them in. You, come on, somebody. Uh, we ought to keep on doing outreach, uh, but the Holy Ghost uh, will start working harder than we are uh, when the truth is being preached. He commanded us in Mark 16 to preach the gospel. He said, wait until you got power. We got the power. There's the people. It's time to preach. And you go home and read Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. His whole sermon was about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. What was he doing? He was doing exactly what Jesus commanded him to do. Preach the gospel. Go preach the death, burial, and resurrection. And when he got done preaching, Acts chapter 2 verse number 37 says they were pricked in their hearts and they said men and brethren what shall we do then Peter said unto them pray the Lord's prayer with me God I know I'm a sinner no that's not what he said repeat after me Lord I open my heart and I receive you as my personal savior no that's not what he preached because that's not what Jesus commanded that's not the gospel message when they asked him, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. I wish I had a church in here. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as the many as the Lord our God shall call. With many words that he exhort and testify, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. That is the gospel message. That is the glorious light. And so Jesus finds music come. Jesus finds this young man 
in this condition of blindness. And the Bible specifically says that he was blind from birth. It is a picture of the condition of humanity. Blind from birth. And he immediately begins to preach, as long as I am in the world. He starts to describe himself as the light. And as he begins to speak, they come across this young man. And the disciples ask an interesting question. They said, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? You see, because when we find ourselves in places of life, places of blindness, places of darkness, it is our human propensity to always want to place blame on somebody. Whose fault is it that I'm blind? Was it my daddy? What my daddy did to me? My mama forsook me. Somebody hurt me. Somebody did. Whose fault is it that I am blind? They said, Lord, who did sin? Well, what did they do to deserve this condition that they are in? And I'm telling somebody this morning that if you're not careful, you will spend the rest of your life running around trying to reconcile in your mind and in your spirit why you've been dealt the situation that you're dealing with. You'll spend the rest of your life dealing with hurt and anger and pain and abandonment issues constantly trying to ask the question whose fault is it who is to blame but Jesus looked at them and said neither did this man or his parents sin but that the glory of God could be made manifest in him you know what God was saying uh, quit worrying uh, about why you're in your condition uh, and just understand uh, that I'm here uh, so that I can get the glory uh, out of your life and I'm preaching to some people this morning that you're here this morning and you've been walking around in darkness You've been walking around groping at things. You understand that when you're blind, there are some things that become obstacles to you that would not be an obstacle if you could see. And you're dealing with situations. And you're constantly trying to figure out the why. And God said, quit worrying about the why and just get your eyes on me because I want to come. I'm here right now. And if you'll let me, I'm going to get the glory out of your life. If you'll let me, I'm going to heal your sight. I'm going to open your eyes. I'm going to let, come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody today that the answer to your blindness, you don't need a psychologist. You don't need a therapist. You don't need a counseling session. You don't need any of those things. 
All you need is for the light of the glorious gospel to open your eyes. Come on, who am I preaching to right now? Come on, God's calling you. <laughs> you might have to stumble to this altar this morning. You might have to stumble in your blindness and your darkness to this altar. But I declare unto you that God is speaking to somebody in this house. And he's here to touch you. He's here to heal you. He's here to do a miracle in your life. Come on, where are you at this morning? Come on, where are you at this morning? Where are you at? You've been asking all the wrong questions. Uh, and God said today, uh, all you need to do is get to an altar uh, and lift your hands. Because uh, I'm going to get the glory. Uh, I'm going to work a miracle in your life. Uh, I'm going to touch you. Uh, I'm going to work a miracle in your life. Uh, I'm going to do something in you right now. I want you to hear me this morning. I'm almost finished. The Bible said that he spit into the dirt and he made mud. I, I thought to myself when I read it, I said, why, why would you spit in the dirt to make the mud? Wouldn't it be easier to just use water? That seems like a whole lot of spitting that you would have to do. And I feel like God said because earthly elements by themselves can never bring healing. Earth and water by themselves could never bring healing. It takes divinity. That's why your answers are not just going to be in the doctor. God will work with the physician. He might work through the physician. But ultimately, you need the hand and the DNA of God to touch you. For he knoweth our frame that we are just dust. I made them out of dust, and so I'm going to make some dust to fix them he puts it in the man's eyes and listen when the man opens his eyes the testimony is so powerful his testimony is so transformative that the people around him almost couldn't recognize him the testimony was so dynamic that when they looked at him, they said, is this even the same person that we knew before? And I'm preaching to some people in this building uh, that when God finishes with you, uh, people are going to look at you uh, and say, is that even the same young lady uh, that I used to know? Uh, is that even the same uh, man? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of looks like them, uh, but they're totally different. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of looks like them, uh, but they talk different uh, and they think different uh, and they act different. I preached everything to get to this point. When they came to the boy after the miracle, they said, who did this? Give God the praise. This man's a sinner. Why? Because the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. 
They said it because the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. And the young man answered, and he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. In other words, he was saying, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know how God did what he did. All I know is that I was blind. And now I can see. And there's people in this house right now. You need to quit trying to figure out how is God going to get you out of that situation. And God, how are you going to fix this? And God, how are you going to deal? It's none of your business right now. All God wants you to do is come to him and lift your hands and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what you're going to do it. But all I know is you can open my eyes. All I know is you can speak light into darkness. Come on, all over this house. Somebody lift your hands. There's a light of the glorious gospel in this place. There's a light that's shining in the darkness of this house right now. Come on, lift up your hands and lift up your voice. God's about to lay his hand on you. God's about to touch you. He's about to heal you. Church, I need you to help me pray. I need every minister in this house. Help me pray right now. These altars are full. Come on, church, help me pray. Come on, help me pray. Help me pray. Come on, help me pray. Come on, lift up your voice. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now, right now. I need you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice. He's here right now. He's here right now. Come on. God, would you open my house? God, would you touch my eyes? God, give me a Come on, lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. Where else can I go? Church, help me pray. Come on, find somebody. Find somebody to pray with. Which I am saved.